Welcome to the Trojan Tailgate Podcast Network. I am proud to introduce to you today your home for honest sports analysis that you won't hear anywhere else. All from a group of friends that met at Troy University. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And here's your host, Hampton Sipper. To another edition of the Trojan Tailgate Network's SEC Recap Show. I am joined, as I am every week, by the king of hot, tech, hot takes, Auburn Shepard, our correspondent at large, Graham Haney, and as always, Wode Suave. How are we doing tonight, gentlemen? Man, I'm doing great. Excited to check out this past week of football and the coming up week. Graham, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. I'm still scratching my head. My uh, pickums from last week were absolutely terrible. So, uh, uh, yeah, Suave, you, you got anything good going on, or uh, am I just going to be bad the rest of the day? <laughs> no, Graham, I think I'm going to be with you on this, man. I, I got to start getting my picks right. My, my teams are I'm saying. What about you, Hampton? <laughs> <laughs> I'm do I'm doing great. Uh doing great. Can't wait to uh recap another week of SEC football and kind of look forward to the week ahead. But before we get started and dive in to the uh the game of the week and possibly the game of the year in the country. Uh Shep, can Game you, of the century, maybe? Game, uh, game the century, I'm not gonna go <laughs> no, game of the century. I'm not gonna go that far. I'm just kidding. Um you know, it's so funny. We've had like three or four games of the century, so at some point you want to, you need to come up with a better name for it. But, um, yeah, Shep, do you have our pick'em results kind of pulled up and give us a quick recap of who's doing well and who's not? Yeah, give me one second. I've got it right here. Okay. Shep, mm. you ain't last week, so you don't even have to tell me my Shep. You don't even have to tell me my record. It's just gonna make the. It's just going to make me cry. So, okay, uh, so this past week, um, I was three for five. Um, I missed the Kentucky-Tennessee game, and I missed the Ole Miss-Arkansas game. Okay. Um, and then LSU and Florida didn't play. Vanderbilt, Missouri didn't play. Uh, Graham this week was two of five. Uh, he, missed, he missed Auburn. Uh, um, he uh, missed Tennessee and Ole Miss. Hampton, you Shep, were also – be- Go for it. Go for it, Graham. I about to say, Shep, with mine, you could have just told me who I got right because, man, that wasn't a whole lot. <laughs> that wasn't a whole uh, lot. You were in the same boat as me, uh, three for five. You Come missed on. the Tennessee and Ole Miss game. And Suave was also in the same boat as us, missing the Tennessee and Ole Miss game. So this week was kind of weird. Um, didn't really Very see the so. same Tennessee that we have been seeing and maybe even saw – a an Arkansas team that maybe we need to put some respect on their name. I totally agree, Shep. I think uh, Arkansas has surpassed any expectation of what they, uh, what their season outlook was before the season. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone projected on this podcast, at least project them to win any games and they've won. They're two and two right now, and they really should be three and one. Um, uh, yeah. If it weren't for a bogus call on the Plains and uh, Auburn. So, they've looked really, really about, good. About saying, I, I heard from somebody, it was on a, a major news network, I can't remember who it was, um, but with, you know, the possibility that Texas might fire uh, Todd Herman. That, I mean, we don't know this. They're just kind of saying that a person they'd like to replace Todd Herman would be uh, Coach Pittman from Arkansas. Like, he played – He's played four games, you know, coached four games for Arkansas, and he's already, you know, in some people's opinion, maybe being considered for a, a big-time job. So, yeah, I mean, well, that, that was what I saw this week. You know, I think that's a little bit of an overreaction uh, if they went yeah. and hired him after a four-game sample size. But, hey, it's Texas, and they hadn't made a smart move since since Colt McCoy got hurt in the national championship game in 2009. Um, but I'd look, you know, we're not a, a college football at large pod, but 
Watch mm-hmm. out for Urban Meyer going to Texas is all I got to say. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of smoke uh, with that. So that's something that we definitely will keep an eye on and monitor. But uh, to get back to the SEC, we had a Clash of the Titans matchup on Saturday night in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Number two, Alabama Crimson Tide hosting the number three Georgia Bulldogs and the Crimson Tide coming out on top 41 to 24. So Shep, uh, I want to ask you, uh, obviously very impressive performance by Alabama, especially in the second half. What did Alabama do at halftime to kind of change, turn the tide, no pun intended of the game and then after you're done with that, kick it back to me because I'm going to ask you a personal question. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that Alabama did uh, after halftime was they almost, in a sense, took the Georgia approach. Um, for all of Georgia's games so far this year, after halftime, they've been somewhat of a totally different team. And I think we kind of saw that with Alabama. I think defensively, after halftime, they, they kind of believed in themselves like, hey, you know, we can hang with them, and now let's kind of let's kind of put the pedal to the metal and and actually play some Alabama defense. Um, and they also they 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 stepped on their throat basically. Mm-hmm. Um, once they got up and they got the score, and they they just fed Najee Harris like they became an old Alabama football team. They stuck to the run big in the second half. They played harder defense in the second half. And they really didn't make that many mistakes. And it was I'm, – I'm going to be honest, it was kind of surprising to see the scoreboard after the game mm-hmm. because, I mean, you it, it was hard to believe. Like, they almost beat them by 20 points. Like, Georgia's defense is, is top of the top. But it also showed us that Georgia's quarterback, like you've said for many weeks, put a floor on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, a ceiling on them. I mean, he, he, he basically – he didn't necessarily hurt them, hurt them, but he didn't do anything to help them. Um, what was it? Two interceptions. He three. had or three interceptions. Um, so I think really Alabama getting back to running the ball and really just like making sure they were on their assignments on defense is was was their second half keys. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, totally agree with you. But the question I want to ask before I kick it to. Graham and um, Suave to kind of give me their reaction to the game and to kind of answer the question I proposed about what did Alabama do differently in the second half. Um, I'm going to make a confession in front of everybody. Um, I Before the season, I was very much on the uh, – I like Bryce Young. I think he's a very talented player and thought he could come in and win the job. Uh, granted, this was before COVID and before – Spring practice got canceled and summer workouts were limited and everything. Um, and it wasn't that I thought Mac Jones was bad at all. I thought he played really, really well last year. Um, you know, he did did well against Auburn, did well against Michigan. But I just thought Bryce Young would be more dynamic with his ability to run and throw on the run and uh, his athleticism. But Mac has surpassed all my expectations and I give you credit, Shep, because you were on the forefront beating the drum of how confident you were in Mac. Um, so I give you kudos for that. But my question to you, um, to maybe stir the pot a little bit, do you believe that Mac Jones is better than Tua Tungavailoa? Mm. You, you want me to answer honestly? I want you to answer honestly, yes. I do. Mm. Honestly, honestly, I do believe he's a better quarterback. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> I will say that Tua has some intangibles that Mac doesn't have. But Such as? I think where Mac makes up for that, um, more of like uh, more slant accuracy, um, able to kind of see the defense open up a little quicker, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Mac, for me – I'm all about like, I'm and y- and y'all know this, but the listeners don't. I'm all about heart, right? And when Tua would mess up or an interception would occur, 
you wouldn't really see a reaction. He was just cool, calm, collected, which is good, but he's also your leader. Like you want to see somebody that's going to have some charisma, that's going to, you know, be upset, going to look down at the ground, fuss at themselves, get back up and go back after it. And we saw Mac Jones do that um, a few times, even against Georgia, where he missed a player, he missed a pass, and he looked down and was frustrated at himself. And next, he was next play mentality, and he made up for it. Um, I think Mac has proven that his deep ball accuracy is somewhat second to none. I mean, he's been throwing dimes. You can think about that touchdown pass he threw uh, to uh, Mechie um, early on in the game. I mean, he just dropped it right over the defender's hands. Um, Nice ball. And I feel like I feel like Mac Jones is the type of quarterback that makes Alabama better. And let me explain what I mean by that. When when Alabama had two at quarterback they knew they had somebody who was really good, really, you know, who could really lead them to win. But it also made them focus more on offense and how talented they were and take away a little bit from the defense. Now you have somebody in Mac Jones who a lot of people would say is like your traditional Alabama quarterback where he's not going to run out of the pocket. He's going to make all the throws he needs to throw and he's not going to make any bad decisions. Well, now you have a quarterback that does those three things and your team doesn't focus on offense. They focus on, they don't focus on the quarterback per se. They focus on running the ball. They focus on opening up the offense with, with play action passes because the run is so accurate because they're, they're dominating the run. It opens up the pass and it allows for Mac Jones um, qualities and characteristics to be shown more on display rather than, Hey, you know, we're going to pass first. They're, they're, they're getting back to, Hey, let's run the ball, but we're also going to, we're going to take shots down the field mm-hmm. and we know that our defense is going to be there. Um, so I will say, I really, I like to, uh, uh, as y'all know, I'm a Jalen fan. Um, but I Barf. do think Mac Jones provides, provides more of a, more of a, a a team-centered mentality to bring both sides together. So I will say I think he is a better quarterback um, currently at Alabama. I don't know if his legacy will be as big just because he's not as hyped as Tua was. But I do think – I mean, you can look at the numbers. They're pretty similar. Um, and Mac is even Mac is even a little bit higher, I believe, in some of those categories. Um and you got to also think that Max playing all SEC defenses right now. Like he's not playing no two bit scrubs. Like he he's going after it against the best of the best. So I mean, what what do you think about that? Um, I'll push back a little bit on the sack comparison because I know you put on your Instagram story. Um, you know the comparison through their first four games. Yeah. And the difference to uh. We got up so much with Tua that he was yanked by the third or fourth quarter most games, especially his sophomore year where he was splitting reps with Jalen kind of. As soon as we got ahead, we put Jalen in to kind of keep him happy and keep him at Alabama. So I don't think that is where you can compare the two because Tua would have put up double the amount of yards that he did if he played all um, the whole game like Mac has been other than the Missouri game where he uh, got relieved of his duties in uh, mid third quarter. I think I don't re- like, I, I think Tua's is better. I think Tua has more talent. I think Tua revolutionized the position. Um, I think the biggest thing and we'll kind of get it more, center back on the game because I just I really wanted your your opinion because um like I said you're a big you're a big Matt guy and you had him pegged from the beginning so I wanted to get your opinion on that but I think let go ahead yeah let me ask you so um I guess one the biggest question so for me like thinking about both of them mm-hmm. I think more of like a durability side right like, yeah I think that's like the biggest thing whereas like you know Tua has had his injuries Mac has really had no injuries and he proved this weekend against Georgia that he can take a hit and he's going to get back up and go to town yeah like I, I think that has a big impact on my on my thinking about it as well like thinking about 
who would I want right now, like based upon college careers. Like mm-hmm. I know Max only really started like eight games, but yeah. like that that plays a factor as well. I mean, Mac is Mac is what the only quarterback in Alabama history to throw four hundred plus passing yards in three games. Wow. Yeah. Like I know Tua. I know, like you're saying, Tua and that Tua Tua put them up on the scoreboard and. They got somebody else in there, but I mean, four hundred yards is four hundred yards, you know. No, and it's impressive, and I'm not taking anything away from Mac. Not taking anything away. Um, I think they're two very different quarterbacks, and uh, yeah, for sure. I think that. I mean, I think that's apparent. But this is what I will say to kind of get it back on the Georgia game, like you talked about, and I agree with. That second half, especially that fourth quarter, was quintessential Alabama football. We're going to line up, we're going to run the ball, and we're going to pound you in the mouth until you quit. And Georgia quit in the fourth quarter. And I think that was like the biggest takeaway from the game is that they physically dominated the number one defense in the country and wore them down. And I think Sarkeesian, to his credit, has crafted an offense around Mac that accentuates what he does well, which is play-action passing, throwing the ball downfield, and kind of complementing the passing game with the running game. Whereas with Tua, like you said, and I think this is a fall of the coaching staff, even though I get why they did it, Tua was so great, and he had the four wide receivers that were um, in my opinion, the greatest receiving core in college football history. You had those guys, and so you're like, you know what? Well, Tua can throw an RPO and get 10 yards every time, so let's just do that. And our offense was predicated on that, and it worked to a point until we got to teams that were elite defensively and that could really um, tighten up on that RPO, and then we had to – go back and have a fallback plan. We didn't have a fallback plan. That was our plan was the RPO. And so in 2019 with Sarkeesian coming in, there was still RPO, but he transitioned the offense to a little bit more of a pro style approach, which is we're going to run the ball, but we're also going to do play action off of that, get those linebackers, get those safeties to creep up and then throw the ball over the top. And that has led to many explosive plays. So I think um, because of Tua's talent, the coaches sometimes put too much on Tua. Whereas with Mac, yes, a lot of the offense is on Tua or is on him, not Tua, is on him. But I think we're doing a better job of complementing him with a good running game and not putting him in positions where he's not going to be successful, which is the um, trademark of a good play caller. Um, And then the last thing I'll say before I throw it to Graham to kind of recap what he thought about the game, defensively in the second half, I read um, an analysis by a guy on a a Reddit board or thread board on Bama Online, and he was talking about in the second half, the defense seemed to – limit the amount of exotic blitzes or stunts that they were doing along the defensive front and were just basically saying, you take your man on, dominate your box, and we'll live with the results. Because in the first half, we looked very confused still. Running backs were, you know, running free out of the backfield. Tight ends were doing the same. Um, So I think we made really good adjustments and I think the return of Jordan Battle at safety was huge um, for the Alabama defense. He kind of – he's the most experienced safety back there. Did a great job of communicating well with uh, Pat Sertan, Josh Job, who both played an outstanding game again. Malachi Moore, who is a, um, an emerging star, I think. He had another um, interception versus Georgia that really kind of changed the game. Um, so I think communication was a lot better. thought Dylan Moses really improved his level of play and raised it up um, from what it was in the first half where he kind of looked indecisive and timid um, to, you know, properly fill run gaps and everything. So I think the big key was adjustments and 
hitting big plays on offense that loosened up that Georgia defense to allow for Najee Harris and that offensive line to kind of make them quit by the end of the fourth quarter. But great team win for Alabama, um, and I was very excited. And from what I saw, Graham, what did you make of, make of the game? Man, it, it it was actually pretty close for the first half. It was. Georgia was up. Georgia was up twenty four to twenty. So it, it was a pretty close game going into halftime. Um, I, I was a little nervous. Georgia had, had done some things on offense that were, um, you know, kind of concerning. Having uh, a few big plays, especially uh, one where they threw it to the running back and he, you know, goes for eighty two yards for a touchdown. Um, but as I look at the second half, I really see an Alabama defense that um, that really limited. I mean, most of the pretty much the whole game, they limited the Georgia receivers to you know fairly small yards. Um, when you look at it, um, I mean, you know, Georgia's best receiver is probably uh, George Pickens, and he had five receptions for 53 yards and his long longest reception was 19 yards mm-hmm. and Kiaris Jackson had two receptions for 23 yards. I mean, they, uh, Al- Alabama really did a good job the second half of, uh, of making Stetson Bennett make throws, make difficult throws, especially, um, to receivers that weren't always open. Um, so I, I was really, uh, excited to see the Alabama defense show up in that way. I mean, they did a good job. Uh, of stopping the run for the most part, um, but honestly, they, through the air, they to me they did a uh, a pretty stellar job. I mean, the, they only allowed 269 passing yards, uh, but if you take away the 82 yard touchdown by Cook, I mean that that completely changes the stats. Yep. Um, for Stetson, Stetson Bennett, I mean you you don't take you can't take them away, but you know that was just a broken play. It was. Bad defense, bad coverage, bad decision making, everything that could go wrong on a play definitely was, was that. Um, but Alabama, I mean, it, it what the game was going to be was well, which unit is better? Is the top ranked Georgia defense going to really show up and and limit this Alabama offense? And, and that's not what we saw. We really saw Alabama's offense um, just really work the ball down the field the whole game against this uh, Georgia defense. And so we, we knew that Georgia's offense wasn't going to be spectacular, but when you slow down their offense and it was, the game was on their defense, it changed the game. Alabama really took off from that point. Um, Suave, hadn't really heard from you much. Um, what, what did you see out of the game? Um, you know, Mac Jones, is he good as Tua? Or, uh, <laughs> you know, Alabama just – really just got on a roll or what would you see? You know, Graham, that's a very good question. Uh, I, I'm not going to compare quarterbacks uh, between Mac Jones and two. I, I'm just both glad they're pay- playing for the University of Alabama. Well, one of them is currently playing. The other one has played. And, and they're both going to mm-hmm. live up to the hype. Uh, I did get to enjoy the game like I wanted to. Uh, but from what I can see is that to start off, it looked like it was going to be that defensive battle between our offense and Georgia's defense. Is their defense better than our offense? And at first it looked like it, but then, as you pointed out, we kind of settled down. I mean, you look at Najee Harris. He had 31 carries for 152 yards and a touchdown. And then you have, as Shep said earlier, Mac Jones throwing for 400 yards, four touchdowns, a QBR rating of a 97.7. And what did I? What did we talk about last week about Alabama's defense? Simplify the defense to where they know what they're doing. And mm-hmm. as y'all said earlier, they didn't blitz as much as they did in the second half. And a big key, as Hampton pointed out, was battle coming back after the suspension from uh, targeting in the Ole Miss game in the fourth quarter. So, I would say really pleased with, with the outcome. Uh, and give a shout-out to the kicker, Mr. Will Reichert, the 52-yarder right before half. That That's a big momentum setter. Uh, Huge. When you're going in down, down seven and you get the ball after half. Yeah. Uh, Swab, that is – I'm glad you brought that up because – um, that was not a 
quote unquote like sexy play that is going to make it on the top ten of Sports Center or anything like that. But that play kind of changed the momentum in the game. And the last time that Alabama had a kicker hit a fifty yard field goal was twenty fifteen, uh, when Alabama played Auburn and Jordan Hare and Adam Griffith hit a 50-yard field goal and was 5-5 five of five on field goals that day. So it's been five years. Uh, so that was an impre- uh, impressive kick by Will Reichard and I think uh, really catapulted Alabama um, into the second half. And I, th- I think all of y'all's points were really well spoken. The last thing that I'll say it's about Mac um, is in the first half – um, I don't know if y'all thought this, but I bet I, I did, especially um, there were like two to three consecutive drives where he kind of looked a little rattled. He didn't look settled into the game. He was throwing off his back foot a lot. He was kind of feeling that pressure. Um, but like Shep said, every time that Mac Jones has a bad play or has adversity um, come his way, he responds. And that is the trait that you want in your quarterback, to have a short memory and to always be thinking about the next play, the next play, the next play. Um, So great performance by him. Great performance by Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. Uh, I know we talk about them every week, but I could could talk about both of them for an hour and a half every week. They're just – they're two incredible football players, going to be first-round picks in the – next NFL draft, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see kind of how Alabama responds when they go to Knoxville uh, this upcoming week. So with that, unless y'all have anything um, more to add about the Alabama-Georgia game, we'll move on to the other game that we're going to kind of discuss. So last week I picked South Carolina to upset Auburn. Um, due to what I've seen from Auburn this year, I don't think they've been very impressive. I think um, I think they've been kind of ba- kind of bad. If you look at, it, they should be one and three if it weren't for um, an officiating call here and there. But they go to South Carolina. Bo Nix throw, or as I like to call them, Bo picks. Um, I'm going to try to keep it professional, but I had to get that in. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, hold on. Did y'all see that picture of a sloppy Joe on Bo Nick's head? <laughs> and it said sloppy Bo. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I, it's fine. I'm not going to I'm not gonna be um, a Bama fan for the rest of the show. I just had to get that in. But Bo, uh, Bo Nix threw not one, not two, but three interceptions. Um, and, I mean, Seth Williams was about ready to fight him on the sideline for not being able to get him the ball. And their defense didn't look um, very good. South Carolina kind of ran it down their throat. Uh, and, you know, as it is, every, I mean, it feels like a dang cycle every year. Gus Malzahn, he'll end the year on a high note, and all um, Auburn fans – are kind of in on them and be like, oh, and Gus, we trust. But then, you know, a game like this happens and you've already lost one to Georgia, he's on the hot seat again. So, Graham, I want to ask you, um, what is like, what is wrong with Auburn right now? Is it, is it their coaching? Is it Gus Malzahn? Do they need a new voice in there? Or – is Bo Nix just simply not an SEC caliber quarterback? Those those are all good questions. I, I sort of like Bo Nix. I think he is uh, good enough to play in the SEC. Mm-hmm. He has talent. Um, to me, the the biggest the biggest thing is um, for Auburn on offense. It it seems like every passing play they have there's only one person that Bo can throw it to. And it, it seems that there's never much of a uh, – I don't even know how to say it. Second uh, option. The, the second, third options. Uh, it seems like um, every passing play that they they run, it seems like 
there's only one person that he can throw it to, mm-hmm. or he has to scramble out of the pocket and find something else to do with the ball. I, I don't think that um, the Chad Morris passing scheme uh, really fits Bo Nix in a way where he can uh, look one way, you know, look another way, and see who's open that way. Instead, it's we're going to run this route. We're going to run this route, and you're going to throw it to this guy. Okay, well, and if you don't feel comfortable making that throw, then scramble out of the pocket and just see what happens. And to me, that just seems what the Auburn passing attack is. Yeah. Um, it, I also see a, a stat here from the article I'm looking at now that this is the first time that uh, South Carolina beat Auburn uh, <laughs> in 87 years. 1933. 1933. <laughs> and whenever – I think that's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But, man, like, to, to me, that that's the biggest thing. I, I think that uh, – Auburn's defense isn't what it was last year. So Auburn's going to have to put up some points. And uh, their offensive line is um, suspect at, be- at best. Mm-hmm. And then Bo Nix, like I said to me, and that not, might not be the case, but to me it seems just like Bo Nix has one option to throw it to, and that's it. And so that's – to me that's why you saw several of those interceptions – was because that he was throwing it to somebody because he was told to, and they weren't open. One of them was a deflected ball, and that sometimes that's just tough luck. But um, as I watched the you know, rewatched the highlights of the game, I, I see that there were several uh, several times where Bo Nix threw the ball, and the receivers recovered. I mean, I, I think that that's kind of what it what it comes down to. Um, Unfortunately, I had Auburn winning this game. I thought it was definitely knew it was going to be close, but I thought Auburn would pull it out. Um, Suave, what do you think about uh, Auburn? Are they uh, do they need to to fire Gus Malzahn or start over, or um, do they just have a few little fixes? Uh, what what do you think on uh, the Auburn South Carolina game this past week? That's a great question, Graham. Uh, I would have to go with you on uh, the Bo Nick situation, but. Also, the play calling. Uh, do, do we truly know who's calling the plays for Auburn? Because we, we know Gus Malzahn <laughs> is known for his play calling, but he also hired the offensive coordinator from Arkansas. Uh, are they splitting? Or are they going fully one way? Because over the past four weeks, we, we've seen different types of Auburn football, you could say. And, and I just don't know what the problem is. You you, you get up against South Carolina, and, I mean, you pull out the stat. That's the first time South Carolina's beat them in 87 years. I mean, that hmm. that's as hard to swallow. <laughs> I mean, Tennessee's beating Bama <laughs> since, yeah. since then. I mean, so it, it, it's hard <laughs> for me to swallow. What's yeah. your thoughts on it, Shep? Yeah, I think – I think it's kind of tough to think about because as Hampton mentioned, you know, it always turns into a, you know, ending on a high note. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of take the, take uh, Hampton's question earlier about Bo Nix. I'm with you, Graham. I think that Bo Nix is good enough to play in the SEC. And I think we saw some of his frustration um, Saturday kind of come out because I don't know if you all feel this way, but I think Bo Nix is, you know, he's a coach's son. So he obviously knows playbooks. He knows how to read a defense. And I feel like Bo Nix is kind of to the point where he's like, look, let me have some more control. Like I'm doing defensively. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me help you. Um, I feel like kind of to your question, Suave, like who's calling plays. I think there's no doubt that Gus Malzahn's back calling plays because you see, you see totally different offenses when he's coaching. I mean, they're they're run run the ball up the middle and they're run a screen play, run a screen play, run the ball, screen play, run the ball. I mean, their bright spot right now is Tank Bigsby, and they need to be like going after it. Like he had, yeah. I mean, he had a hundred yards over a hundred yards this week, but I mean, I I think Bo Nix. You can tell that Gus Malzahn can't develop a quarterback. I mean, each year that Gus Malzahn's had a quarterback under him for another year, they've gotten worse. And Mm -hmm. I think that's because 
the quarterbacks are noticing like, hey, these tendencies are coming up, but we're still sticking to the same stupid game plan. Like, there's <laughs> no way. Like, like Graham said, like, what was it, 1938 since they be- got beat or something 33. like that? Like, <laughs> 33. 33. No, Even there's worse. There's no way <laughs> that an, a South Carolina team should beat an Auburn. I don't – like, it doesn't matter. Like, that is unexcusable. That would be like – I mean, I don't even know what to compare it to. Like, that's how bad it was. Like, I just don't understand how Gus continues to produce the – the wins that he does, I mean, you think like they're over 500, but it's mm-hmm. always, like you said, it's always a big win late in the season. You know how, I mean, you know, we think about NFL, like how long does Adam Gase have? I feel like this could be a Adam Gase situation, you know? Yeah. Like they're, they're winning just mm-hmm. enough to appease everybody, but. <coughs> Excuse me, but I don't know. Hampton, well, what are you, what are your thoughts on Gus? Is it time for Gus to. Hit the hit the Arkansas road. Well, as an <laughs> Alabama fan, I hope he stays there for the duration of his contract. Oh, I'm with um, you. I think Gus <laughs> is a great coach from that standpoint. But uh, no, for the matter for the matter at hand, um, I told y'all after the Georgia game that you know I kind of went in this whole thing about Gus not being able to develop quarterbacks that he recruited out of high school or that he recruits out of high school, you can't name one. And as you said, each year that quarterback has regressed each year. Look at Jared Stidham in 2017. If he leaves, he's probably a second, third round pick after that year. But then he, you know, he comes back to Auburn, doesn't have a great year. And I think he was a mid, you know, mid round pick fourth or third, fourth round. Um, and then you look at Bo Nix this year, not great, not great. And I think what you said about him being a coach's son, Shep, that is an interesting angle on this that I hadn't really thought about. Um, but i got to push back a little bit because I do think Chad Morris is calling the plays. Um, because Gus Malzahn said today in his press conference something about – or no, I saw a guy on Feinbaum – Say that if Chad Moore, if the offense doesn't look better next week, then Gus is going to retake um, the play calling duties from Chad Morris, which Gus has done with every offensive coordinator he's ever had. Because at the end of the day, he thinks that his high school offense that was solved in 2014 is still going to wreck people today and wreck SEC defenses today. He hadn't evolved. It's the same offense um, with the, you know, the hurry up, no huddle, fastball offense. And when he doesn't have a mobile quarterback to plug and play there, he can't adapt his system to produce results. And another reason that I think Chad Morris is calling the place, look what he did at Arkansas, boys. He had them so bad that they didn't win an SEC game in three years, and then Sam Pittman gets there second week of the year, and they win an SEC game. So I do think Chad Morris is having an effect on the offense, and I do think that is part of Bo Nix's struggles. And another part of his struggle is I think Bo doesn't trust his O-line, as Graham mentioned. Their O-line's not good. It's the same cycle with Auburn. Every three or four years, they have a really good offensive line because they're all developed, they're all seniors, and they have a really good offensive line that comes together in that last year. Well, that was last year. They had that O-line, and then this year it's falling apart, and they don't have, you know, their O-line's not that good. And, you know, you talked about, Graham, them running one, like, one route plays or, like, um, where you've got one guy going for um, – going, like, on a dig and you got everyone else kind of clearing out for him. Yeah. I think that is kind of true to an extent. I also don't think that Bo is progressing through his reads um, due to – due to pressure – um, due to happy, you know, having happy feet in the pocket and just not trusting what he is seeing. Um, so offensively, they've got a whole host of issues that they have to correct. 
Um, now, Seth Williams and Tank Bigsby are ball players. They're really, really, really good, um, especially Bigsby. That dude runs uh, hard, runs downhill, has good speed, uh, good elusiveness, and I think he's going to be a star for them. But I think it's all going to be for naught if they don't uh, make a head coaching change because I think it's the same characteristics, the same trends for the past uh, four to five years, really. And then defensively, as you said, Graham, uh, just they lost a lot of talent. I think they're well coached on that side of the ball with Kevin Steele. But when you lose Derek Brown, when you lose Marlon Davidson, um, and then KJ Britt gets hurt this year. You're not gonna. You're not gonna be the same defense. Defense. Um, and before mm-hmm. we move on, um, um, unless y'all had, do y'all have anything more to add on Auburn? Yeah, I've got a question. Yeah, uh, Graham, you go. Okay, ahead. go yeah. ahead. Uh, Chef okay, first. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Okay, Chef, so uh, just like I- I'll ask this to you, Graham. If you okay. were Auburn right now, and you're going after, you know, you fired Gus, and you're going after a new coach. Who realistically would you go after? Man, that that's a that's a tough question. Um, I saw an article about this about why Auburn will probably keep Gus Miles on uh, until next year because the uh, coaches on the market, you know, there, there's nobody, not that many people that really seem to be good fits for Auburn that can go in there and change the culture. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're Auburn, I guess you could make a, a huge play for Urban Meyer, but he ain't uh, going there. I, I don't, I, I, like I said, I, I don't see that happening. Um, man, I, I, I don't really know. I mean, the, um, the coordinators in the SEC, I mean, if you look at Georgia, their defense is run by Kirby smart pretty much. So he's not leaving Georgia. I mean, um, I don't know. That's that's a really good question. I'll have to look into that some more. Um, Hampton or Swab, do either of y'all have answers to that before? I, I I mean, I have something I want to say, but I want y'all to answer that question first if y'all have people in mind. I don't really have anyone off the top of my head um, mm-hmm. other than I think from a the ability to build a culture – um, I'm not talking about, you know, exclusively on the field, X's and O's. I'm just saying the ability to establish a culture. I think Neil Brown would be um, an interesting pick there. Mm. Um, he was the first guy that came to mind. But I, other than that, I really don't know where they would turn. Um, about, maybe a Tom Hurt. What about the Mad Hatter? You think he would – no, no way. Uh, I mean, no way, you gotta no think, how. You got to think, he's already proven he can win in the SEC. But I'm Yeah, with 10 Graham. years ago. I'm with Graham. You know, I think there there's nobody really on the market this year. Their time would have been mm-hmm. w- within the last two years when Neil Brown was open and, and some other coaches mm-hmm. of that stature. Yeah. What about, say, Shep, if, if you're trying to find somebody with some SEC experience – I think Gene Chizik still wants a job. Uh, he, he's out there. He he, he rode Cam Newton's uh, Superman cape. Yeah. Yep. So did Gus Malzahn. Let's see where yeah. it got him. Um, Here, yeah, but real quick aside, here's the thing with Auburn. And when they fired Gene Chizik, they were very, very close. Um, I don't know if you all remember this from hiring Kirby from Alabama. Um, they interviewed him. He got down to the final like round of interviews, and I think they decided to go with Gus. Um, but they could have had Kirby Smart. And while I don't think, um, you know, we can – I don't want to get in the Kirby rant about how he's very similar to what Mark Richt um, did in his first four or five years at Georgia. Um, mm. I, who would you rather have as your coach right now, Kirby Smart or Gus Malzahn? I think all of us would take um, – take Kirby Kirby yeah um but before you um give your statement real quick Graham Suave do you have any coaches that you can think of um that would be a good replacement for Gus at Auburn if they decide to um part ways off with the him? top of my head uh I do like the Neil Brown selection uh you you can you see what he's done at Troy and then what he's doing at West Virginia he, he's still trying to build that program uh 
I could see possibly uh, maybe Chip Lindsey going back to Auburn and taking over a, as the head coach. Wow. Uh, I, I know it has yeah. to, he has to show that he can do it, Troy, uh, at first. But, I mean, yeah, you could, you could see Gene. Uh, yeah. A few you mentioned Hampton. And, I mean, did, does Lincoln Riley come over mm-hmm. from – Oh, you to take over Auburn. I mean that that's another coach I, I could see. That'd be see, interesting. That would be that would be, be interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um yeah, so I just thought of this guy and uh I don't know how how it would go over. Um but if I'm Auburn, you need to make a splash. Like I said, I, I didn't really no name came to mind and I just thought about this guy. What about Brent Venables from Clemson, defense ah, coordinator? I like it. Um, I mean, I I think that he's a guy that has helped Dabo Sweeney build national championship teams, mm-hmm. teams that always compete. I mean, I, I think he's a good recruiter. Um, you know, most people seem to like the culture at Clemson. That's how they're able to get such high prospects. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, the thing with Brent. Um, I think he'd be I think he'd be really good from X's and O's, but if y'all watch that man on the sideline, he looked like he got some ticks or something. <laughs> he does some weird facial gestures, and um, he's just constantly um doing some interesting things on the sideline. And uh, I know he's been offered some jobs in the past, but Dabo does a good job of retaining his staff and. Um, so I don't mm-hmm. know if he would leave. The only other name um, that I'll mention, and then we'll kind of um, move on to our players of the week, Gary Patterson from TCU, I think could do really well at Auburn with their talent and the ability uh, to recruit high-profile players. I think he's a really mm-hmm. good coach, um, even though they hadn't been as successful at TCU as they have been in the past. Um, I think he could be really good, but – um, before we kind of move on to impact players of the week, I do want to shout out South Carolina. They had a great performance, ran the ball really, really well um, with that. Uh, I think the running back's name is Hill. I think he ran for over 100 yards. Um, so, and J.C. Horn, their cornerback, played outstanding, shutting down Seth Williams and uh, their receiving core. So, uh Kudos to Will Muschamp and his squad. They uh, they had a really, really impressive victory um, on Saturday against the Auburn Tigers. So with that, we are going to move to our Impact Players of the Week. Um, so really quickly, Suave, who is your Impact Player of the well, Week? I really want to say the Alabama offense because, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this is the first time in NCAA history or maybe SEC history that a quarterback has thrown for over 400 yards. Two receivers went over 150 yards receiving, and a running back ran for over 150 yards. So I I can't just name a player. I, I just want to give a shout-out to the Alabama offense with Mac Jones, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, and Najee Harris. Well, what are your breakout players, Graham? The breakout performance I would I'd have to give for the week. Um, I'm going defense again. It's going to the Arkansas defense this week. They forced six interceptions from Matt Corral. Six. That's absolutely insane that Ar- that an Arkansas defensive unit can get six interceptions from Matt Corral. Uh, they're my MVP of the week. They can all share it. They can touch that thing. Um <laughs> Yep. So, Shep, who's your MVP of the week? You got one person or a unit or who oh, is? Oh, I kind of got a kind of got a double this week. So, I'm gonna also stick with defense uh, to your liking, Graham, and I'm gonna go with Kentucky's defense this week. Um, they had three. Boy, y'all breaking the rules. Good night, Dude, Kentucky. <laughs> like, where did these Wildcats come from? You know what I'm saying? Like, just East High, baby. Embarrassing Tennessee last week. <laughs> Um, but one person in particular, I have to give Tank Bigsby, 
Um, Auburn, you know, they're struggling, but we got to kind of boost them up a little bit. He had 16 carries, 111 yards and a touchdown. The kid's going to be special, really special. Hampton, I know you're a hater, and I know you love Alabama, so give us somebody who isn't from Alabama this week as your your spotlight player. Hey, I wasn't going to, man. I had to – I had to – change you know change it up a little bit and i was going to give it to grant morgan of the arkansas defense who had 19 tackles against Ole miss but since graham said hey shoot i'm gonna take the whole defense i'll (laughs) i'll give it to a guy that i mentioned previously jc horn uh who i believe also he had um a pick or two against auburn played lockdown coverage was physical and I think really got in Seth Williams' head, and that was part of the reason why he was frustrated at uh, at Bo was not only him, uh, his inability to get him the ball, but also J.C. Horn making it, making life difficult on him. So that would be my impact player of the week. And there were – I mean, I, I know I kid with y'all picking whole units, but uh, all of those units played outstanding this week. And uh, we're really, really impressive and have been all year. So um, we are, you know, with that, we're going to move into the final portion of our show. Um, And since there's only four games in the SEC this week, uh, we're going to do a a little bit of a rapid fire um, prediction, not go um, as much into a preview of each game because they're just really hitting – a whole, I mean, there is some that you can talk about, but there's not a whole lot you can talk about with these games. So, guys, I want you to give me who you think is going to win, how, by how much, and a quick thing that you're looking for um, in the game. So, Shep, I'm going to start with you. Auburn versus Ole Miss. Who do you got in this one? Uh, I'm going to take Ole Miss uh, by 10. Uh, I think their offense, Ole Miss offense, they're going to get back right. Matt Corral is going to have a huge game. Uh, I think they're going to run the ball, and that's going to hurt Auburn this week. Uh, Graham, what are you thinking for this game? This, this is definitely an interesting pick. I think it'll uh, a big factor will be uh, what kind of offense Auburn puts out there. Do they really feed Tank's big, Tank Bigsby a lot? I, I think he could run on this Ole Miss defense a lot. Um but I could run on this on this ball. defense, I think. Whoa there, whoa there. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've seen you run. Um, What's that supposed uh, to be? I'm just <laughs> – Keep going, Graham. <laughs> I, I'll take uh, Ole Miss as well. I'll take them um, by seven points. I, I like think it. that uh, Ole Miss's defense, you know, how bad Auburn's offense is, I think they still have more pieces than – Old Miss's defense has, um, but it could be a high-scoring game. I don't know. It depends what Old Miss team um, we got going on. So, Suave, Auburn, or Old Miss—they're playing in Oxford. Does that play a factor at all in the? Yes, in the it does. Uh, I'm going to take Ole Miss by 14, and uh, I think the key to this game is going to be uh, Ole Miss quarterback uh, and them running the ball. Uh, who you got in this game, Hampton? Give me Ole Miss by 14. Matt Corral has a bounce-back game. And I think Lane Kiffin has a good game plan to attack Auburn's defense. And if Matt Corral does not respond well, you got John Rice Plumley in the, in, the, in the wing waiting. And I think he gets his shot if things go awry down there. Um, next game, Kentucky-Mizzou. Graham, who you got? I'm going to take the Kentucky rushing attack and the defense that showed it the past two weeks by 14 points over a, a young Mizzou team. Um, even though it's in Columbia, I'll take Kentucky by uh, 14 points. Shep, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to take Kentucky by 12. Uh, I think defensively they're just better than the Missouri's offense. Um, I, I think I think Kentucky's going to get it done, and they're going to show people that, hey, maybe they, maybe they do have a little something-something. They're hiding up there in Lexington. Uh, Swan, I want to take you got for this game, bro. Uh, by ten. Uh, defense plays a big role in this. It, it is at it is at Missouri, so I I do believe that's going to play a factor. But I want to take Kentucky. What about you, Hampton? Give me Kentucky by 
17. Um, mm. I think offensive line is second in the league behind Alabama. And I think their defense hadn't only played well in the past two weeks. I think they played pretty well all year. Um, I think they're a really good team. So give me Kentucky um, by 17 over Mizzou. Uh, the next game, Alabama versus Tennessee. Suave. I'm going to roll with we the got this one. one. Uh, keys to the game, Alabama run the ball and aired out with Mac Jones. What about you, Shep? Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Alabama. Alabama big. Um, everybody, come Saturday, smoke them if you got them. Uh, I think it's going to be on. a big game, big game for the offense again. But I think um, they're gonna they're gonna get the defense back going and and really look like an Alabama team has in the years past. Graham, what you thinking for this game? Who shows up uh, and what's the score? That that's a great question. I think the biggest person to show up in this game. Uh, and it will determine the game is uh, Jarrett Garantano. What kind of quarterback do you get out of Tennessee this week? I think that plays a major factor in how close the game is. Um, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily say that – I'm not going to say that he doesn't show up, but I'm going to take Alabama by 24 points. I think that's going to be a, a really good show in Alabama's. It seems to only be getting better. Tennessee just seems to only be getting worse. Um, I'll take uh, Alabama big. Hampton. How much? How much is Alabama going to win by? Because we already know your pick. <laughs> um, are you unbiased? <laughs> uh, give me, give me Bama. <laughs> Maybe a tad. Just a tad. Give me Bama by twenty-one. <laughs> Key to the game. Um, I want to see how Alabama responds after a big win against Georgia. See if they have any letdown. And one thing to keep keep an eye out for: um, Tennessee linebacker Henry Toa Toa put on his Instagram today a cryptic post about. Um, the possibility of Brian Maurer um, starting for the Tennessee oh. Volunteers instead of Jerry Garantano. So that might be um, something we need to keep an eye on heading he, into this I'm game. Lie. He looked he looked pretty good last year. What do y'all think about he, him? No, I agree. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Especially against Alabama, he he made some plays and kind of kept him in the game um, until Alabama pulled away in the second half. But um, mm-hmm. I think he could provide a real well, spark for that offense. Well, considering that uh, that information, the quarterback's still going to be an important part for Tennessee. Um, you can take out the name Jared Garantano and put in Maurer. You can put in Jeremy Pruitt. You can put in Peyton Manning. It doesn't matter who you put in for Tennessee. Uh, I, I think that's going to be the big key of the game. What quarterback shows up for Tennessee? Is it a, a, a quarterback that drives the ball down the field, makes plays, uh, extends plays, or is it a quarterback that uh, you know throws interceptions uh, yeah, we'll just see. I, I still think Alabama wins big, no matter who's playing quarterback for Tennessee. Um, so yeah, I like it. I like it. And then the final game of the week, we've got South Carolina traveling to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to play the LSU Tigers, as Coach O would say. Um, Shep, who you got? By how much? Man, I'm taking South Carolina in this game. Uh, I think it's going to be close, maybe like ten points. But I just – I like South Carolina. I think, you know, this may be a hot take, but I think Auburn's a better football team than LSU. So, mm-hmm. I, I think South Carolina should handle business, especially – I mean, I don't know if you all think this, but I don't think Miles Brennan is as good a quarterback as Bo Nix. And, I mean, he's struggling mightily against South Carolina. So, um, I, that's that's kind of my take. I don't so have LSU by seven points uh, in this game. I, I think they get their defensive problems squared away and figured out, and they come out and they they win the game. It's going to be a low-scoring game, though. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on the game, Graham? I would love to pick South Carolina in this game, but they're playing – in Death Valley at Baton Rouge. All of South Carolina's big wins of the past have come at home. Um, I, I would, I really would want to pick South Carolina to win this game, um, but but I just can't. I think that um, LSU um, having – it wasn't an intentional bye week, but they had uh, the week off. I think they might figure a couple things out on defense, um, simplify it. So, in the words of Coach O, go Tigers. Hampton, who you got? Graham, 
I was going to pick South Carolina, but then you made your point about South Carolina not having any big wins on the road in the past, and I agree. Mm-hmm. Give me LSU yeah. by three. And I, I'm, I, I was about to pick LSU by three. I forgot to say my number, so uh, I'll say two. I think that LSU gets a safety to win the game. Wow. Not really. Bold. Bold. <laughs> I, wow. Bold I, move I, there, I, I think. <laughs> I, I think LSU wins, but but not by a huge margin. So three is probably good. But anyway, continue your point, Hampton. I didn't mean yeah, to interrupt. You're, I forgot. Hey, I just you're fine. remembered. I I just remembered. I forgot to mention what the score is. You're be, fine. So, my anyway. only my only key of the game. I don't think Miles Brennan is going to play in this game. He might, mm-hmm. uh, but apparently he's really banged up. Uh, has a torn abdomen muscle. So watch out for T.J. Finley. Uh, it's a freshman mm-hmm. quarterback. Um, nicknamed the general 6'6", 230, 250, um, to get in the game and see how he kind of responds. Um, so that'll be something very interesting to watch. And with that, uh, that's a wrap on our SEC recap show and uh, our look ahead to week five of SEC action, guys. We're almost halfway through, um, which is hard to believe, but – um, it was an honor and pleasure, as always, for y'all to join me on the pod tonight and uh, recap recap the games and kind of look ahead uh, to this week. And be sure to follow us on at the Trojan Tailgate Podcast Network Twitter handle to get up-to-date info on when our podcasts are dropping and the links for those pods so you can listen. We are available on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, I think we're on Apple Podcasts now, so that's um, who knows. Who knows? Who knows? But um, <laughs> who knows? so um, that's a big deal. Um, we appreciate all of your support and uh, Shep, Graham, and Swab. Thank you for joining me, and be sure to listen in next week as we recap another week of SEC football.